Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here, and you're listening to the CFI podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. How can we as flight instructors make sure our students are getting the most out of each and every flight lesson? Hey, Missouri Nation, Jason Shepard here. You're listening to the CFI Podcast. So thankful you are taking the time to tune in today. I always share with you the CFI Podcast. Don't tell anyone who listens to the other podcasts, but the CFI Podcast is by far my favorite to do. It is. It gets the least amount of listens, the least amount of views, and it's still my favorite to do because I feel as though anyone who takes the time, any CFI who takes the time to listen to this, I wish I could just send you all the business that you could handle uh, because you are making aviation a safer, smarter place and going above and beyond. And for that, uh, I will forever be grateful because you and I are aligned on that same mission of creating safer, smarter pilots. So good on you all for doing that. Today, let's talk once again about maximizing you know, our teaching abilities and everything that we do. But maximizing it here today for the sake of our students is what I want to focus on for the sake of our students. Let's, let's talk about this here. How can we help our learners who I call them students, didn't I? How can we help our learners get the most out of every flight lesson? Uh, think about it. What are some things you're currently doing, going to be doing? Cause I realize some of you are aspiring CFIs. What are some things that you're doing, going to be doing, could be doing to help your learners out. Just to get the most out of every single flight lesson. And let me tell you something, I know the learner has to want it. Like you can, and I had this syndrome happen so much and I'll open it up with a story actually. You should always open up. Uh, teaching through stories, there's a, there's a lesson for you. Teaching through stories is powerful. Let me Allow me to, to go on a tangent briefly with a story. Early, early on, I, um, boy, was I hungry. I mean, if you know the history of M0A, this is like back when I was, you know, broke on broke, probably about to be kicked out of my hangar. Uh, I mean, if you want to see the whole story, go watch um, the 2020 M0A uh, birthday party live stream. If you want to see, uh, if you want to kind of hear that story a little bit further, it would have been April uh, 15th. 2020. It's on YouTube. You can go find it. Uh, if you want to hear the story, how I was literally tow truck poor. And by tow truck, you've never been poor to even tow truck poor um, when the tow truck is following you around trying to get your car because you're behind on payment. That's how broke I was. So boy, was I hungry for students, any kind of students. I was so hungry. And I remember I had a student who was, uh, was a prominent individual in town um, wealthy, uh, not rich, but wealthy, um, by, by anyone's, most people's standards, I would say, uh, money wise. And that student really was taking advantage of myself and my time and everything else and not getting the most out of every flight lesson. What do I mean? I mean, they were constantly late. They didn't ever do their homework that I assigned them. Their phone was ringing when we were trying to do ground school lessons together, or it was ringing during run-up, and they would take the call in the middle of the run-up. And yes, they were prominent, professional, in town, 
and their phone just rang off the hook and everything else. But it, it was just, um, they were not allowing themselves to get the most out of every single lesson. I had this feeling, but I also had, you know, the credit card companies calling and everything else. And that makes it quite difficult sometimes to, to turn away business. My final straw was this. I was, this individual was constantly late. I mean, being 10 minutes late would have been early for this individual. It was usually about a half hour late and I was booking myself up tight. I was doing two hour blocks. So when you're in half an hour late and we've got a pre-flight, now I'm only doing a 45 minute lesson with you. I'm making less revenue because I was only billing for when the propeller was spinning. My next student is waiting, my next learner is waiting for me and it, it affects everybody down the line. If you're in a service-based industry like that, uh, or have been, you, you know what that's like, right? When, if you were in waiting tables and one reservation goes long or is late, or you see how it, the chain of events happens and it snowballs. So finally one time this individual is about 30 minutes late and I tried to call, didn't answer, tried to text, didn't answer, check my email, there's nothing. Finally, this person calls and says, hey Jason, I'm sorry, uh, I'm just now leaving work. I'm still about 15 minutes down the road. Hey. Um, would you mind, could you have the airplane uh, pre-flighted uh, for me and fueled and everything so when I get there, we just kind of hop in and go? And I remember saying, this isn't a charter service. I am not, NetJets didn't exist back then. Uh, maybe they did. If they did, they were small. But I'm not NetJets, to give a modern day analogy like this. This is not my job to have your sparkling water, the airplane fueled and pre-flighted, you just hop in and go. Like this is your flight lesson. I, in fact, my exact words after that were, I'm not the one that needs to learn how to pre-flight. You're the one that needs to learn how to pre-flight. And that was our last, that was my last day as, as his instructor. He went out and found somebody else that would, that would put up with that. I, I learned uh, later that he did go on to actually become a pilot. I was not the one who signed off uh, his check right. I don't even believe I, have, I, I soloed him, uh, to be honest with you. It was, it was early on, but sometimes, sometimes the learner makes things difficult is why I wanted to share that story with you a little bit. But you have to take out all the excuses your own excuses, right? Don't allow your learner to have excuses. You as the instructor need to do your job. Assign them their homework. Hey, I need you to watch all of lesson three in, in the M0A online ground school. Or hey, before we do this, go watch, Jason has a good video on steep turn slow flight installs in the ground school. Watch the ones on YouTube too, they'll benefit you as well. Like, as, tell them to go listen to a podcast. What, whatever that, assigning them their homework and then making sure they're doing it, making sure they show up prepared. And a lot of it is just having this little pep talk with them in a way. A pep talk may sound like this. You are going to get whatever you put into this, right? You will get out of flight training, whatever you are willing to, to get out of this. But if you expect to be spoon fed everything and just have a certificate delivered to you in the mail, that is not gonna happen. It's gonna take a lot of effort on my part, the flight instructor. It's gonna take even more effort on your part as my learner. I just ask that when we have lessons, if, if we have a lesson at 9 a.m., let me tell you that really means we have a lesson at 8.50 because we have a wheels up time, right? And you might wanna draw the line there to, hey, we are wheels up at 9 a.m., which means you need to be out here at 8.30. There's no one before you, check the schedule. Now you may, goal may book 9 a.m. with the wheels up at 9.30 just so they know, but you wanna 
incorporate all those items in there. Typically, most flight schools book a two-hour block to give you 30 minutes on the front, 30 minutes on the back, and an hour lesson in between. That's a pretty typical block that they block you, the instructor, and block the airplane out just to give some buffer. And it usually works pretty well. Um, some schools, um, uh, I, I know uh, Rex Air has, has moved a little bit towards this model as well of doing two and a half hour blocks. Give you 45 minutes on either side of your one hour lesson or you know flying out of a busy airport sometimes it could be 10 minutes of taxi or 10 minutes of holding short as well so adding that to the equation as well maybe a three hour but whatever it needs to happen you as the the instructor need to figure out what's best if you're flying out of a busy airport like addison texas you probably are gonna spend 15 minutes on the ground every time and just be ready for that and make sure your learners are prepared to spend that kind of time on the ground. It just happens, it's a busy airport with one runway in that case. So you have to be prepared with a lot of flight schools there. So you have to be prepared for those sort of things. Your learners will get out of the lessons what they put into it. But at the same time, you can't put everything back onto them. Are you giving an adequate adequate sign the right word to use are you giving a superstar pre-flight briefing i know you gave them the homework assignment to go watch the online ground school videos on steep turn slow flight installs however you better believe that after pre-flight we're going to briefly go over we might even chair fly steep turn slow flight installs before we get in that airplane i know they went over it we just reinforce it one more time to make sure we're maximizing every single lesson that's our goal with all of this is to make sure we're maximizing every single opportunity your post-flight brief your post-flight brief doesn't have to be all unicorns and rainbows you need to do the compliment sandwich talk about what they did well Put in what they need to work on and end with what they did well. And find it if you don't believe anything went well. That's not true. You can find it. As simple as, man, your, your pre-flight was really good. You only, you only had a few questions, but you know what? I love when you ask me questions. I think that's an excellent, excellent habit to have formed. I would rather you ask questions than just assume something looks good. Man, your taxing skills have gotten really, really good. Anything that you can find, that radio call was great. You know what? You missed that radio call, but let me tell you. Um, you really saved it thereafter. It was, there's always ways to be calm. Again, it's not always unicorns and rainbows. Not everything is always perfect. Sometimes you have to have those real difficult, there's a comma between those two, not real difficult, but real as in like, this is just what it is. It is what it is. And that can be difficult sometimes. That's what I mean through that phrase. You have to have those realistic, this is where we're at type conversations. And those happen. You have a student who thinks they're ready to solo, but you're looking going, there's no chance you're ready to solo. You don't say that out loud, but to yourself, you're thinking there's no chance you're anywhere close to solo right now. They're a little too confident in their head. And that's when symptoms like, hey, you know what? They threaten to go fly with another instructor. I would encourage it. Get a second opinion, right? If you had a, a weird diagnosis from a doctor, you would get a second opinion. You wouldn't take that one doctor's opinion. Encourage that. Encourage them before a check ride, before a solo to get a second opinion. Help them get the most out of what they are doing, but you have to also understand that every learner is different. Every learner needs to be communicated to differently. That's what it really comes down to. And when you communicate with each learner and their preferred, their learning preference, Learning, there's not a lot of data that backs up learning styles. There's, there's some data that backs up learning preferences. I'm a visual learner. I'm an auditory learner. And where do you fit, by the way? Some of you have to watch this on YouTube, and it's just a guy sitting in front of a microphone. I'm not even that exciting, 
right? Sitting here. Some of you listen to this while you're walking the dog at the gym. Maybe you're more that auditory learner, but, but you're listening while you're walking or you're listening while you're driving, whatever that is. I'm like the instructor in your ear maybe while you're driving. And, and that's realistic because that's how the airplane can be. Except there's the kinesthetic part of feeling that airplane and getting instantaneous feedback on, oh, that was, I pitched up too much. That's why Jason says not to flare. That's why he says to transition. You get that instantaneous level of feedback as well. What are some other ways we can maximize our lessons for our students? Have you ever thought about your scheduling? Now, we just spoke about scheduling from a block standpoint, two, two and a half, three hour blocks. That's a great way to look at it. But what about when you schedule flights? You think if you have a, a client, uh, a learner that works at the hospital as a nurse, seven to seven, do you think scheduling a 7.30 a.m. or p.m. lesson, I guess p.m. lesson, is the right thing to do? No, they just worked a 12-hour shift. That's not, that's not a good idea, right? Let them have their, their rest day in between or work them on the weekends. Um, what if you have somebody, maybe, like, for example, I'm an early riser. You tell me to wake up at 4 a.m., my body does that half the time without an alarm clock. Like, I, I enjoy that sort of stuff. Now, don't catch me around 8 p.m., I'm exhausted. But waking up early, I love that. Some people might say, oh my goodness, you wanna do a 7 a.m. lesson, are you crazy? And they're groggy and tired and they're not even functioning just yet. Just because that's a great time for you doesn't mean it's a great time for them as well. Now, I need you at your peak performance and peak game as well too. And I've had that. I've had the learners who wanna do the 7 p.m. lessons. I'm yawning and tired and I feel like I'm being rude, but I've just been at it. I'm working the seven to seven shift now, it seems like, um, and the exhausted one. So scheduling around what's best for your learner and what's best for you as well. I've shared this a million times. I was not a weekend flyer. I worked so hard during the day. So it was 7 a.m. wheels up for traffic watch, that was seven to nine, which means I was at the airport by 6.30 getting ready, which means I was awake. I usually woke about 5.45 to get because I'd have to make breakfast, pack a lunch, because I was just there was no restaurant there. I would stay at the airport all day. So I had to get everything ready for the entire day. Usually in Florida, you bring a change of clothes. By 12 p.m., you're changing, so you don't stink up the cockpit as a flight instructor. So it was a lot to get ready. So I'd wake up 5.45 for a 6.30 uh, arrival at the airport, and you know, 7 a.m. wheels up. And you get out there, so it needs fuel and everything else, so you'd have to get all that ready. Um, fly till nine, my next student will be waiting for me at nine. And then I had traffic watch again from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. And sometimes I'd have students after that, learners after that. Sometimes, this is especially true in the summertime, they need their night landings or their night cross country time. Let me tell you, it doesn't get dark till 8 p.m. sometimes. Those were some really, really long days when you're at the airport starting at 6.30 and you're there till doing night landings, you're there till 9, 10 p.m. Uh, in the summertime, that became a very grueling schedule. And you're not, it's not propeller spinning the entire time, but it was a lot of flying, a lot of ground school, a lot of, for me, dreaming about this thing called M0A that I wanted to create at some point. There was a lot of, a lot of work. And I can be honest with you, my afternoon students probably didn't get the best version of Jason. In fact, there's data on this in the medical field that says malpractice lawsuits um, they obviously were able to look at malpractice suits. They went back and were able to say, when did these surgeries take place? And the majority of malpractice suits, the surgeries took place, I believe it was after 2 p.m. that it went up exponentially. 
the number of malpractice cases went up for surgeries done after 2 p.m. You better believe when I had my hernia surgery, I was the I was the uh, I was in there at 4 a.m. for for a 7 a.m. surgery, knowing that little fact, right? Because they go up exponentially with that. It's no different in flight instruction. Wow, could we look? Um, this data exists, I'm sure, somewhere. Are there more aviation accidents in the afternoon than in the morning? Based on, you got to look at flight hours too, compared to that and see. Um, assuming everything else equal. I don't know. Somebody will figure it out though and send me an email, I'm sure. I can't wait to hear from you about that. So scheduling such a big part of that, making sure you're maximizing your time, maximizing their time at their most productive time. Some people are early risers, some people are night owls, some people are somewhere in between. You've got to figure that out and ask the appropriate questions related to that as well. So CFIs, future CFIs. Did you learn anything at all today? We leave me a comment on YouTube or Facebook if you're watching this as a video. If not, we leave this a five-star review with a little comment as well. And you know, if, even if it's a four-star review or it, how about this? As long as it's an honest review, that's all I care about because I can learn from the one stars and I can learn from the five stars as well. And I'm very, very appreciative of all of that. No matter what, y'all are such a blessing to us because you're making us better. Hopefully you feel that iron sharpening iron uh, that uh, we're making you better as well. Thank you so much for everything you do, flight instructors. Have a blessed, amazing, outstanding rest of your day. And most importantly, remember, the good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, everybody. I'll see you.